Hey, welcome back to the program. Let's pray. Well, my special announcement is that it is my wife Carrie's birthday. Yes, it is. She turned... I'll ask you to talk to her about that. (laughs) She doesn't hide that sort of thing. But it is her birthday, and so it's only fitting that I wish her the very happy birthday, as well as uh, say a prayer for her. And um, and I want you to listen to the prayer, because it's not only for my wife, it's for you. Uh, you'll hopefully tie into that as well. And, uh, uh, and we'll go from there. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that you give to us the gift of life, and that you have knitted us together in our mother's wombs, that you've designed for us a purpose and a plan, and that you've planted us here in this world. Lord, I ask that you would bless today each and every person who is hearing my voice, who needs to know and to sense in a new way, in a fresh way, in a deeper way, the gift that each individual human being is, the gift you, dear ones, the gift that you are. Because you are created by God, you are held in love by the Lord. And so, Lord, I ask that you would hold in love, hold in in your heart of love, and hold open your heart of love to us today, especially those who most need to sense that gift, that they are in your sight, that each of us is a gift from the Father to the Son. I love that, Lord. Please let that truth ring more deeply and truly in our hearts and minds. And Lord, I pray for all of us who are praying with me. I pray for those dear ones that are close to us, that are at a place of celebration like Kerry or at a place of need. Lord, I ask that you touch each of them in a special way with a gift or a grace today that it would please you for them to receive. Holy God, I I thank you for the gift of my wife, and I pray with all husbands for our wives that you protect them, guide them, uh, help unbind and set them free from anything that holds them back from growing in your grace and favor and fulfilling their God-given mission. And Lord, I pray for uh, for our wives and or mothers who have who have gone before us in faith, gone home to heaven. We do pray for them, Lord. We pray that they would be truly resting in peace at home in heaven. Any of them that are in purgatory, Lord, we ask for your merciful love to wash over them today and to bring them closer home to their final home in heaven. And Lord, give us always that grace of realizing that our true and final resting place is with you, home in heaven. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I at the end of the program, I will mention a, a few other thoughts that have to do with Carrie, but also have to do with um, a, a, an unfortunate sort of downside that is happening in Seattle and Spokane as it relates to parents and the permission that they have and don't have regarding what's happening in their school systems. And it's it's the sad reality of the fact that our kids in Spokane and in Seattle school systems, public school systems, are unable to get an aspirin 
or an over-the-counter medication without getting their parents' permission. But they can change their gender identification. They can change in, and identify themselves with certain pronouns without their parents' permission or even awareness, which is a terrible thing. So it's time for us to step up and stand up as parents, not only caring for our own kids, but caring for all kids. I'll get to that at the end of the program. I don't want to delay. Uh, Danielle Bean has been gracious enough to give me some time today to interview her as part of her coming to speak at a Catholic women's conference happening in Helena, Montana. This conference is happening on April the 15th, which is a Saturday. Now, if you get there early, this is happening in Helena, Montana. You can go to the uh, you can go to Mass at the Cathedral of St. Helena's and a rosary um, for the family that will follow Mass. And that's at 5.30 in the evening on Friday, April the 14th. And then Saturday the 15th, the conference is all day long. Uh, doors open at 7, conference starts at 8, and then it ends with Mass with the Bishop at 5 p.m. And so this is the Catholic Women's Conference happening in Helena, Montana. I'll have more to say about that, give you the details um, about speakers and things like that. But before I do, let's dive right into our interview with Danielle Bean. Well, I want to welcome to the program, Danielle Bean. Danielle, thank you for taking time to be with me today. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Danielle, you're going to have to give my wife a birthday gift, okay? So she's okay. a big fan of yours, uh, all the way back <laughs> to your blog and to Omnipotent oh and, yeah, a long time ago. Oh, man, ago, an right? OG fan. I love yeah. it. I love it. What's your <laughs> wife's name? My wife's name is Carrie, and her birthday is the day this program's airing. And I've been struggling oh to find a birthday gift for her, okay? <laughs> Now, Perfect. I, I know, I know. So you're going to give her a big shout out. Actually, I, I want some guidance here. And I bet a lot of other men want guidance as well, because you've been married to your husband uh, 28 years. Yes, 28 years. 28 years, blessed with eight children. And uh, my my wife and I, 28 years and, and mm -hmm. blessed with nine children and um, still trying to figure stuff out, right? And one of the things <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out is what do I get? for a wife of 28 years and a mother of many. So give me some guidance right. here, okay? Yeah, I think she probably needs a break. So Carrie, happy birthday. I'm gonna tell your husband to give you a break. Look for a way to do that. Like something that she enjoys and just make the space for her to enjoy it. Even if it's all by herself, reading a book, you know, or or watching a show that she loves or spending time with a good girlfriend or spending time alone with you. Like think about what really rejuvenates her and give her the space to do that. I mean, I think that that's what every woman really wants is, is the most thoughtful gift is to think about a way to allow them that that time to truly recreate, right? Recreate. This is something that we have difficulty doing as women is making the space and time for that. So such a gift if a thoughtful spouse like you steps in and makes it happen and arranges for that to, to happen on her birthday. I think that's a great plan. Okay. So I'm going to flex here because today, as I'm talking to you, it's a school day, Yeah. but my wife and the kiddos that are still at home, they abandoned school and they went skiing. <laughs> Okay. Oh, so, how fun. All right. Don't tell anybody. Okay. Don't tell anybody <laughs> that we took a skip day and my oh wife my is like, the snow is so great. We have to go skiing today. And I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> So <laughs> I think that's great. I'm a big fan of those skip days. You know, um, being a homeschooler most, most of my life, some of my kids transitioned into our local public high school later on. And 
I always had the hardest time wrapping my brain around like, what you don't you don't have to go to school like we have plans you know like so i was like the biggest fan of skip days as a mom and in fact one of my sons he had a great gpa it didn't affect his his um his grades at all but he missed the maximum number of days you can miss in his senior year and still graduate and so i was I like all that. right <laughs> we maxed think, out the fun time as a family <laughs> that is so cool we get called to the get called into the office for a meeting if we have too many tardies or absences so <laughs> oh goodness well, Danielle, thank you for that. Folks, if you're not familiar with Danielle Bean, you ought to be. And you see up on the screen, Danielle Bean is so many things. She's an author and a writer, and she has an amazing podcast called Girlfriends. And I got to tell you, your podcast, you are like a machine gun. Like with the, <laughs> with the amount of content you get out there, it's amazing. You put out there amazing, con- like practical things. It's like, here's the list of eight things to do, like last minute ideas for Lent right here, right? Mm-hmm. You had a goal setting one at the beginning of the year. You have this one on Lent, so many things. And we're going to come back to the sites. Again, it's daniellebean.com. We'll come back to some of these other sites to give our folks more insight into you. Um, I, first, I want to say this, like you're you're supremely busy in, in the things that you're doing as a wife and a mother. And yet you do so many things like the TV show and the podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. And by the way, the books and <laughs> how do you do it? All right. Yeah. I, I love that question. I get it a lot. And I think every woman should get asked that question because every woman is doing so many things. You know, I have such respect for hardworking, busy women of all walks of life and, and men too, of course. Um, but, you know, I think that the thing is, I've just always, you know, for better or for worse, I've had a, I've had a lot of energy and I need an output for it, you know, so but you know, doing things like the podcast or, or writing books or looking for creative outlets like that has always just been a part of how I'm built, how God made me. So I look for ways to use that in a way that can I hopefully encourage other people and to help build up the church. And all of that said, I don't do all the things, you know, I don't like and I don't do them all at once for sure. And my husband, Dan, is an amazing support to me. So I couldn't be doing these things without him, without his boots on the ground support here at home, especially during... I'm going to tell you, when you said your your husband Dan's an amazing support to you, you were doing this. My husband Dan <laughs> is an amazing support to me. I got it on video. So folks, oh, don't was, show it to Dan. She was actually shaking her head. She wasn't nodding. My husband Dan is an amazing yeah. support. She was shaking her head. I don't know. I'm shaking my head thing. at how awesome he is and yeah, <laughs> how truly supportive he is. Because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really is true, right? I, I think yeah. so many times women will come to me and they'll say, like, how do you do all these things? And you know, they're comparing like whatever they've got on their plate with what I'm, I'm showing on the outside. And that's not a fair game, you know, like keep your eyes on your own paper. Like what is God calling you to do? What unique circumstances and gifts and opportunities has he given to you? Focus there and focus on that. So that's what I've aimed to do. And sometimes I've messed it up. I've taken on too many things. And then other times I, I feel like I'm, I'm ready for more. And so I'm always kind of seeking that balance in what I do. So, you know, one of the things I'll say to, to parents who say to me, oh, I only have two kids. And how do you do it that many? And I say, well, no, any kid is going to fill your life to overflowing, right? Any child right. with the Absolutely. time, attention, love, energy, care, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you have a particular mission and yours is to to uh, women and oftentimes mm-hmm. mothers, uh, helping them get a sense of their dignity, helping them when they feel overwhelmed, when they see this, the shortcomings and all of that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's your um, mission? Here's what I mean. I, I have a sense that, and I think this is Catholic, that God has created us for a purpose, right? And, and right. one way to express that purpose is a sense of feeling a dedication to accomplish a particular mission in a particular way. And it feels like you were made, the Lord made you for this moment to be a voice to women, Catholic women, women of faith, 
to help them face struggles that can really hold them back from experiencing the joy God has for them. Would would you agree with that? Absolutely. That that is that is a very good way to put it. I appreciate that. Um, because I, I that's really what I've felt called to do. I I've always just said I've ha- I've got a heart for moms who struggle. You know, a simple way of putting it. And and what that looks like often in the church is exactly what you just described. And just really needing that encouragement to know who you are and who God made you to be and the awesome gifts He's given you. And you know, learning not to compare ourselves to other people and these other things that are a threat to our joy. And I feel like God has given me a unique capacity for reaching women on that level. And I'm grateful for it. And uh, part of it, truthfully, it it stems from my own need for it. You know, I can look back on my early motherhood and some of the ways that I truly struggled and some of the ways that I struggle at the stage of life that I'm in right now. And I, I look for ways that I can connect with other women through those weaknesses, through those struggles. And we can, you know, there's a unique sense of encouragement that we can get when we come together as a community seeking to affirm those gifts we have and um, affirm our value as women and um, you know, just looking to build each other up in those vocations that God has called us to. Mm-hmm. That's Danielle Bean talking with me today. And I want to make sure you have information about the Helena Catholic Women's Conference. The conference is happening on April the 14th. That's a Friday night. And if you can't make it there for the Friday night mass at the cathedral, followed by a rosary for the family, you can come on the day-long conference that's happening on April the 15th. Uh, and that's, what, just a month and a half away. And you can go to the website where you can get more information about this year's theme, Courageous Women. Courageous Women. The website is HelenaCWC.com. Helena cwc.com. That's it. I'm talking with Danielle Bean, folks. If you're listening to this, I do encourage you to go watch the video version of this as well. And daniellebean.com will be coming back to to show more of what she does as not only a wife and a mother, but as a blogger, podcaster, TV show host, writer, etc. So Danielle, um, COVID happened and Mm -hmm. COVID shook a lot a lot of people loose from their sense of connecting to the regular practice of their faith. Mm. I'd love to get your sense about how this impacted really wives and mothers and even just the wider community and in your sphere uh, when it came to the practice of their Catholic faith with kids all of a sudden being at home, stuck at home, and then all of a sudden not being able to access the sacraments or the regular practice of the faith. What's your sort of overarching now that we're mostly free from this stuff, What's your overarching sense of what happened there and, and any insight you have? Yeah, I mean, this is something, of course, we've we've all given a lot of thought to and we've all I've, you know talked about a lot of different ways. But, you know, ultimately, my takeaway is, you know, I look around at my my local parish now and the pews are emptier than they've ever been, you know. Um, OK, for sure. At the start of coming back to mass, they were a little emptier, but we have not made a full comeback as a church. And that's sad. I think there's a real opportunity for leadership there from our, our all the way from our pastor all the way up to you know our bishops um, at the diocese level to really encourage people to come back and um, to really send the message that we need this in-person connection with our Lord. Like we need to be present 
for mass, right? We need to be present to receive the sacraments. You know, I, I think that there's a, a real learning opportunity here. And in, in large ways, it's being missed from the pulpit, at least around where I live. Um, and so I think there's an opportunity for lay people to step up and, and beginning with your own family, with your own children, make sure you're catechizing them and making sure they know that our physical presence matters and that you have to be physically present. There's a physical aspect of every one of the sacraments. I've always loved this about our faith, that it takes into account our physical presence, who we are as uh, physical beings and our, our senses matter. And so teaching that to our kids first and foremost, but then being leaders in our in our faith communities and bringing forth this message and maybe even bringing it to your pastor. You know, it's, it's been on my mind and I'm, I guess my pastor probably won't be watching this. Um, but something I'd like to say is, oh my gosh, stop doing like a spiritual communion after communion for people who are watching on the television. You know, like, they can do their own spiritual communion. It's nothing but confusing to the people in the pews. Like, I feel like we've fallen into these habits um, from COVID that kind of holds us back from an authentic, full experience of, of the mass. And even though we've gone back in many ways, like you said, back to quote unquote normal in many ways, I'm not sure we're ever going to be back to what we were before. And um, that's a little discouraging to see, but I, I try to see in it an opportunity, an invitation to step up as lay people. We, we have the opportunity to step, as, step up as leaders in our communities. But that begins first and foremost in your domestic church, in the walls of your home with your own family. Yeah, so I want to go in a couple of directions here. The first is uh, you talk about that idea of um, stepping up in our own home. And I want to say that a lot of folks I've talked to have narrowed their focus of concern to their own families because so mm -hmm. many, and you probably encounter this regularly, so many folks that are our age uh, and now they have kids that are young adults. You know, they spent all these years forming them in the Catholic right. faith and sending them off to Catholic places or homeschooling them. Catholic schools and even Catholic colleges. And then, you know, the story, what's the next line I'm going to say? They stopped yeah, practicing they, their faith. Yeah, they, right? left. they left the church. They're there. They got married outside the church. The kid's not baptized and, and they're suffering. Mm -hmm. They're suffering. And they're saying, what did I do wrong? Or what happened? And now you have a, this next wave of folks saying, I don't want this to happen to the rest of my kids. Right. So I don't know what your experience has been like, because you, your kids span, like my kids are 10 to 23. And I think your kids are okay. a little ahead of mine. They're a little ahead. Yep. So mine are 16 to 28. So, so. you're going to help me <laughs> figure out what happens in the next my five years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how, how, how has that worked out for you in terms of your kids and the practice of the faith and any steps that you took or would recommend to help kids and in, in growing kids not to lose their faith? Um, yeah, so I think it's important to really speak to that. What you just talked about this is a very common experience. I hear from people all the time about it. Uh, thus far, we have been blessed that all of our kids are still practicing their faith. That's not That's to say we've been perfect about it. I know. Uh, not to say it's been easy, not to say there haven't been moments where I was like, oh my gosh, like this one's going off the rails, you know, but um, so we're very blessed in that way, but I don't take that for granted. And I don't think that's any particular thing where I can be like, oh, look what we accomplished here. Like, look what the Lord is doing in, in the lives of my children is what, you know, the way I look at it. And um, so, but I would say that in some of those rough moments that every parent experiences through teenage or young adult years, that I have kind of come to learn that to kind of take the long view of it. And I'm not I'm not there yet, right? So I've got I've got four who are married, married to wonderful, faithful Catholic people. Like I do not take these blessings for granted. Like it's and, and a beautiful I, gift. I want to know how did you how did you arrange that? Was it like <laughs> highly assisted? You know I mean, was it yeah. just 
a novena? I mean, like, what? How do, how do you get that to happen? <laughs> well, from the time they were babies, I prayed for my my children's spouses. So anybody out there who's got little kids, pray for your children's future spouses. Um, and then what a gift it was to like meet these people. I'm like, I've been praying for you my whole life. Like, what an amazing thing. Um, but that said, I really want to underscore the importance of uh, a Catholic college education. Um, so a lot of our kids have gone to Ave Maria University. Some have gone to, um, places closer to home. Um, and one daughter in particular commuted to a local state school. So there are different ways of getting your college education if your kids are going to go to college. But I really want to encourage parents to consider a faithful Catholic community college, not community college. It could be community college, but a faithful Catholic college where there's going to be a community of young people, because honestly, like these are formative years. And these are the years where your children are likely to meet their future spouse Shouldn't they be surrounded by faithful practicing Catholics? Isn't that the recipe for the what you want the, for the trajectory for the rest of their lives? So we really have encouraged that first and foremost. But in some of those rougher moments, I've kind of learned to take the longer view and to see like when I first ever had teenagers and I was like, what on earth? Like what this this child I've poured my life into is rejecting me in every possible painful way. And yet I, I I now have a little bit more perspective and I can see, you know, this is something they need to go through sometimes. Um, and really, I have just my husband and I both have have tried to foster a sense of openness to their questions, foster a sense of discussion, not to shame them if they're confused or struggling with something with regard to the faith. Just we want that openness to be part of our family culture. I was blessed to be raised in a family myself of nine kids um, in, with a similar culture where my parents weren't afraid of questions because you know what? The church isn't afraid of questions. God isn't afraid of questions. We have access to the truth. And I think that ultimately is the greatest gift we can give any of our kids is that there is a truth and we can know it. Let's let's find it out together. Let's go on this path together. So that sense of um, openness to your, to your children's questions and even their doubts, even if you're terrified on the inside, like really, really maintaining that sense of openness to it and encouraging their questions so that they can really come into their own with regard to their faith. That's beautiful, Danielle. And as you think about this, I'm going to tie it to the second question I had, and that was, you see diminishing communities. And so we'd love to have our kids when they go to mass, be around a bunch of other kids that are also fervent about their faith and faithful right. Catholic families, all of that. So you're familiar with the Benedict option, right? So you see, mm. you see in a number of places around the country, people are starting to move to be near other intentional Catholic families. Do you have any insight into that? Like um, your sense about that? Because a lot of people do it for the liturgy. They want to have more reverent liturgy and, and sure. that's where maybe the traditional Latin mass comes in or yeah. other places that tend to be centers of faith. Like you hear Matt Frad talk <clears throat> about happening at Franciscan University in Steubenville. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm living in, uh, we moved to be in a community that is loosely speaking a more of like a Benedict option. And that's sort of Spokane to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. If you haven't been here, we need to I come haven't. out and see it. It's <laughs> amazing it. what God is doing here. But what's your own take on mm -hmm. that this concept of the Benedict option as a resource or as a means of helping families foster and raise their kids in faith? Yeah, I think it absolutely can be a wonderful tool for families. It can be a wonderful option for families that will approach, you know, seeking out, intentionally seeking out community for their families in that way. Um, but that said, I would say every family, you know, every person has their own unique vocation, but I believe every family has their own unique vocation and a unique calling. And it's a part of it is like just determining what that is. Like, what's your charism as a family? What's your mission as a family? That might mean going and being part of an intentional community in that way. Uh, but it might mean more of a living in the world and being a, a living, breathing witness in the world to your faith. And 
Um, for us, like that kind of community really wasn't an option with regard to our life circumstances. So we didn't have access to that. And we live here, you know, in central New Hampshire on 10 acres adjacent to like a wildlife refuge. So it's like space and space and space out there. So we're, we're pretty isolated here. And there's not a lot of Catholic community. I think we're the only like, you know, large family for miles around. Um, and yet we've kind of carved out our own existence here in a way that I really believe God had had planned for us all along, you know. Uh, so we did homeschool and we we were involved in some different organized homeschool things. But even that was it's a trek to get there. Like we, it wasn't right next door. So figuring out a lot of things on our own, kind of like a homesteading approach to uh, Catholic family life and, and formation. Um, and, and, you know, that's really worked well for us. There has come a point in a lot of my kids lives, you know, maybe as they're becoming teenagers where they kind of struggled a bit and like, I really, I want more in my life. Like I want more community. And then we would be intentional about seeking that out for, for each child. Sometimes it meant joining a local youth group or being a part of other things going on in our community or with our parish, um, just being, you know, sensitive to that as parents. But ultimately, I, you know, I think that our, our family lifestyle has been much more isolated and not part of a community like that. Um, but also it, the flip side of that is also being engaged in our community, you know, being the only one with the clown car, you know, the van that all the kids come <laughs> spilling out. And like, sometimes it's made me terribly uncomfortable through the years. And yet I see that God had a plan for us in that, that we're kind of, you know, this, you know, the, the light, the light, uh, the city on a hill and the, the, the salt of the earth and this, this light, I don't, we don't necessarily want to be that. It feels uncomfortable sometimes, right? I don't want to be this light shining forth. And yet okay, that's what the on. gospel tells us we're called to hold be. on you don't feel comfortable being the light I mean, the, <laughs> so, wait a minute now is it the tv program that makes you uncomfortable is it the podcast that makes you feel uncomfortable is it the hey, books you're gonna you're die on? when you hear Come this you're now. not gonna what believe you, me no i'm you, an, i'm an introverted person like this oh. is 100 percent true i'm an introvert who plays a, a good extrovert when yeah, when i need to so i think everybody's like that like we have our own temperaments and our our own inclinations and we can work with them god can work with them and we can get outside our comfort zone sometimes to do something that we know god is calling us to do so okay yeah i'll a do question. a weekend like i'm going to in out, out in montana and i'll need to collapse at the end of it and totally you know recharge afterwards that is really funny because i'm actually an introvert too maybe that's why i prefer radio See? look um, at you yeah it's, it's <laughs> kind of funny Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran, and it's great that um, right now we're in the middle of an interview with Danielle Bean. And just remember now, she is speaking at a conference coming up. It's in Helena, Montana. It's the Helena Catholic Women's Conference, Courageous Women. It's going to be held on Saturday, April the 15th, all day. That's a Saturday. And it's like a spa day for the soul, right? Um, there are wonderful speakers in addition to Danielle. Sister Deidre Burns will be there speaking. She has a background as a surgeon and um, has worked uh, in the military as well. Uh, has an amazing background, as well as uh, Gia Chacon. And uh, music will be provided by Kitty Cleveland. All of this is uh, is able for you to be able to uh, see for yourself and learn more about by going to their website, HelenaCWC.com. HelenaCWC.com. You can also register there on that page. There's a registration link. And by the way, we are still in the early bird rate time frame. And so I encourage you, early bird rate goes for another two weeks until March 15th. So it's a great chance for you 
to uh, get some friends together, sign up, make the carpool ride over. I know Carrie has found out about this, so I think she's got an interest in doing this. Okay, great. Back to the interview with Danielle Bean. Okay, so you mentioned uh, everyone has their own temperaments. So my my wife and I said none of our kids are married yet, right? But they're all like in the midst of the older foreign vocation and all this kind of thing and figuring it out. And um, we have this plan that any you know suitor that's going to come, our four oldest are girls. They're going to mm-hmm. take a they're going to take a, a personality uh, profile test. Have you ever <laughs> done anything like that? Have you ever done anything to try to figure out are these two a good match? Because sometimes they don't have the best insight into mm-hmm. you know, are they a good fit or not? Because right. we have like several that we'd like throw at them, make them sit down and take. So that's very interesting. I like that approach. I've never been that scientific about it. I just kind of go with my intuition a little bit. And um, but you're right that kids need guidance in this. You know, we we had a rule here in our family because my husband Dan and I met in high school and we dated in high school and we had no business dating, like we were not prepared for that. And so now we have a rule that our kids don't date in high school. And uh, they are always throwing that in our faces, like, but you guys met in high school. And it's been a battle at, at times. Um, but I just don't feel like kids have the emotional or spiritual maturity to handle that kind of intense emotion at a young age. And so we've kind of tried to guide them through that. And there have been some missteps along the way. There have been some teenage rebellions along the way and all of that. And yet I think it's just whether you give them a test or not, um, I think it's kind of setting standards and speaking to them what your values are. And this is something we've been very intentional about, like telling our kids from the time they were small, like it's really important that you you find a good Catholic person to marry, you know, and and having that be part of our family's culture. And and not if one of our kids, you know, chose to date or marry someone outside of the faith, like we wouldn't reject that person, but we want to set them up for their greatest chance of happiness and holiness in this life. And then being together, you know, in happiness forever in the next life. And so this is how we do it, right? You need to have those values and, and kids don't always see that. So, you know, kind of imparting those values to them and having conversations with them about it. And, you know, being the kind of open parent enough so that they feel comfortable coming to you when they have questions or when they, or, or, you know, sometimes they're, they're never going to come to you with the question they have, making sure there are other adults in their lives that they do feel comfortable with, that they can ask questions to. We've, we have um, a youth minister here at our our local parish. His his name is Seth. And I, I like to call him our third parent because I trust him and our kids have known him through the years. He's been such a blessing to our family because they can go to him with things. And, you know, whether it's earth shattering or not, it feels like it to them in the moment. And they're not always going to be comfortable coming to mom or dad. So really having people in your kids' lives like that is important too. Well, Danielle, you make a great point. Again, I'm talking to Danielle Bean. I really encourage you to go to her website, daniellebean.com, where you can learn about so much about what she's doing. And I would encourage you to pick up her new book, Whisper, Finding God in uh, Your Everyday Life. And uh, it's listening in the moments, not necessarily taking from prayer, but listening to God in the little moments that happen day to day. It's a wonderfully um, reviewed on Amazon. You can get a link to it right here. Um, That book came out last year. And I know you're doing many, many other things. But you said something, Danielle, that really struck me. And that was that uh, um, be open to receiving questions and engaging those questions, but then also have trusted people in your life that can also complement that. I'm going to guess that there are a lot of folks like watching or listening to this interview and they're like, I don't have that like capacity. I I wasn't equipped. I I didn't grow up in an environment where I'm comfortable with awkward, intimate conversations. And so one of the things that I've seen some people do, and sometimes my wife and I will recommend is, you know, there are wonderful resources out there on video and audio and, 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 
book books where you can have your kids like face these questions in a, in a way that is more comfortable to you. And then you can kind of watch with them and, and that sort of thing. Have you, have, have you seen that or, or seen that be effective as well for parents who maybe aren't quite as uh, capable to have these kind of uh, really uh, minefield type conversations? Sure, sure. Yeah, there are lots of different resources out there. I would say if you're struggling with that, like look for something that's going to to speak to you in the way that makes sense to you. Like I said, every family is different and they have their different, their different kind of charism. And and so you know the things that God's given to you, then, you know, the communication skills you have or the connection or the relationship you have with your child or your natural temperament or inclinations and the way that you click with your children. And that's not a mistake. None of that's a mistake, right? So God knows all about it. And he still made you the parent of that child. And so that's for a unique purpose. So you are the best parent for your child. So know that and be encouraged by that. And if you feel like there's some need that your child has that you're not able to fill, then help them to, to seek out the, the resource that they're going to need to do that. And I mean, we're, we're so lucky to be living in the age that we are today. For good or for bad, the internet will put you in, in touch with anything and anyone, right? So look for those good resources and, and look for, you know, podcasts or books or you know, um, video series or, or something along those lines that you can share with your kids. And, and sometimes those will just be a starter, you know, a starter to a conversation, a larger conversation that you might have with your children, but you can kind of set it up by sharing some form of media or reading something together in the first place. Nice. Danielle, in the last couple of minutes, we have two quick questions for you. Okay. The first mm -hmm. is, What's next? What are you doing next? I want to hear. Come on now, give us a little insight. Is there another book coming out? Is there another TV series coming? Are you in a movie? Are you producing? A Come on, oh, I what's love next? That. <laughs> Call me. I want to be in a movie. Yeah. Um, no. So yeah, I'm working on, well, I've been very focused in the last um, six months specifically on my community, my online community, girlfriendscommunity.com, which is an intentional online community. Like you're talking about that's happening in real life with people. This is happening online where women are coming together uniquely for the purpose of encouraging and supporting each other in faith and family living and in a way that nobody else can do it. So I love what's going on there. It's it's growing incrementally, slowly, day by day. And I'm so grateful for the women that are present there and the real friendships that are growing there. Also, um, behind the scenes, I'm I'm working on something. I can't share details just yet, but I'm working on a larger project that, that's going to be bringing together a lot of different media. So exactly the kind of resources you're talking about, looking for, for parents, for kids, for our own faith formation. Um, I'm, I'm working on partnering together with a, a couple of different places and, and putting together kind of a, a, a how where we can hold all of these things together in, in common. So uh, podcasts, books, video series, uh, articles online, all of these things. So I'm going to be part of a larger project in that way. And I'm really excited about what the future holds for that. Wow. That's exciting. Just another kind of tiny, small thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just another little thing I'm going to be doing. Yes. <laughs> all right. Now, last question. And this has to do with the fact that um, we're meeting in part because of conference speaking. And so mm -hmm. you're speaking at a conference in Helena, Montana in the middle of April. And uh, talk with the talk with me and, and, and address the women and just say, why is it important for, for moms and for women to come together at an event like that? You talked about the importance of physical presence right, right. now, mm -hmm. just in the last minute. Just tell us, like, why would it be important to come to an event like this and be able to fellowship with you and many others? Yeah, well, I think when it comes to events like this, there's a lot we can learn from Our Lady. And I always look to her example in the visitation, which such a beautiful lesson for us where Mary goes, she hears this, this news from the angel Gabriel, which is like earth shattering news, right? Like you're going to become the mother of God. And we might, we might understand if she took a minute to kind of process that, but our lady didn't. She went, she, the scripture tells us with haste to her cousin, Elizabeth, who was in need because she had learned that she was pregnant. 
And that's what we're all called to do as women. Go to one another in haste, meet one another's needs are, and, and have your own needs met, you know? And that happens in person, in real life connection. What a beautiful, joyful moment that visitation is, but what beauty and joy awaits you when you make the time to go away, spend time deliberately connecting with your sisters in Christ and gaining from them, sharing experiences, sharing stories, sharing laughter, sharing tears. There's so much to be gained when women come together uniquely for the purpose of encouraging and supporting one another. So I absolutely think it is absolutely worth making the time to do. Get it on your schedule, make the time for it, get the babysitter if you have to. There's there's no excuse for not doing this one thing for yourself because ultimately, it's a gift to your family because you're going to come away renewed in your vocation and truly encouraged about the person who God has made you to be. That's beautiful, Danielle. I love that. And I just say, amen. Having been at many conferences, I agree. Uh, DanielleBean.com is also where you can invite Danielle to come and speak at your conference. I hope that you'll be able to do that. Danielle, thank you for taking as much time as you have with me today. Thank you so much. It's been a joy talking with you. That's Danielle Bean talking with me today on the program. Danielle is going to be speaking at the Helena Catholic Women's Conference that's coming up on April the 15th. That's a Saturday in Helena, Montana. If you go to their website, HelenaCWC.com, on the registration page, they give you lots of information about hotels if you're going to be spending the night. Come on Friday. You can be there in time for Mass at the Cathedral uh, with the Rosary. Uh, for the family following Mass. And then Mass with Bishop Vetter is how the event ends on Saturday at 5 o'clock. Uh, the Days Inn and homes, Home to Suites are, have some special deals for uh, conference attendees and lots of other great information that you can find out as well as uh, information about the speakers, the, the talks that will be given on uh, the theme of courageous women. And so I do encourage you to go to that website, HelenaCWC.com. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Wow. Welcome back to the program. Wasn't Danielle great? What a, an amazing, uh, boy, she's, she's really good. Carrie was saying that she's like the machine gun, just like all that information comes out of her. If you go to her podcast, uh, and, um, listen to her. She just goes boom, 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 and, and lays it out there. Uh, very articulate. She was, she was quick. We did not have uh, an agenda for the interview. It was just get on and let's talk. And boy, she did great. She handled a lot of very interesting questions. Ladies, she's the kind of person you want to see in person, right? She's the kind of women that you, you want to hang around with and hang around with women who want to hang around with women like her. That's why you go to conferences. That's why you go to something like the conference where Danielle's going to be speaking. I, I know that um, conferences have that kind of power to really motivate because you can feel so alone, right? That's one of the biggest things that the devil does to trick us and hold us back is to make us feel like no one else is thinking like we're thinking. No one else is facing what we're facing. No one else is feeling what we're feeling. And so when you come together at a conference and you have a speaker who can really name 
things that are at the core of human experience, then you get this even sometimes audible yes, this audible sense of, yes, you've named my situation. And so I, I love that when that kind of thing can happen at conferences. And frankly, sometimes some of the best things that happen at conferences really are the fellowship, the sense of enthusiasm that you, you get refreshed. You get refreshed. In fact, I think one of the the themes, one of the ways of describing this particular women's conference, and I've, I've heard this, is the spa day for the soul, right? Uh, I hear women's conferences sometimes discussed like that. Uh, men's conferences, on the other hand, are training camps. <laughs> Basic training, right? Uh, they are spring training, right? They are get ready for action, gets D-Day. Men's conferences are D-Day. <laughs> get ready to fight for battle, fight the battle. And and you know what? Not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Men are men and women are women. And today I have the wonderful pleasure of celebrating the woman that God brought into my life. Let's see now. That would be 30 years ago. Wow. 30 years ago, I met Carrie. And um, we got married 20, almost, well, 28 and a half years ago. It'd be 29 years in in August. And, uh, uh, you know, I when I'm reflecting on the gift of marriage, and, and I was teasing Danielle when I said, okay, you've been married, uh, your kids are this many years older than ours, what's going to happen in the next five years? That That's actually a, a really powerful strategy. I encourage you to do that. Whatever stage or age you're in in your life, look to those that are a bit ahead of you, a little bit ahead of you, right? If you go too far ahead of you, you're not going to be able to relate to it. But to get a little bit ahead of you, you can gain some wisdom that's fresh in their minds and in their lives that you can learn from, right? So I I was keenly and, and sincerely interested in what did you do about courting? What did you do when the guy came home to court your your daughter? How did you handle that? Um, you know, what do you do to try to set up your kids for success when it comes not just to faith, but to life and the rest of their lives? And she highlighted something that I thought was so important and Carrie and I believe in very much, which is make very wise and discerning choices about which college your kids attend. You want your kids to attend, if they're going to go to college, be sure that they're going to be at a college where they will have a density of Catholics that will help nurture and support them in their faith. Ideally, it's at a Catholic college that is truly living out its name. You've probably heard of the Newman's Guide to Catholic colleges where they go and they rate and 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 basically um, only allow into that guide colleges that pass muster according to the various uh, uh, criteria that they employ, you know, like orthodoxy and, and those sorts of things. And, um, and we, we value that highly. We value that highly. And, and, and so we've landed on, as you know, Franciscan University of Steubenville for our kiddos, it, as many of them as want to attend there. We'd be very supportive. And if, if we float outside of that, we want to make sure that our kids that are not at either maybe a Catholic school or at um, a Catholic school that is part of that list, that they will have that density of fellowship with 
people of faith, with Christians and with Catholics, yes, to help them continue on their journey and to help them discern. Right, so our oldest daughter, she is not at a Catholic school. She's at a, a very conservative Christian school in Oregon, and she lives in Christian community with uh, some women of deep faith. And so even though it doesn't like check all of our ideal boxes, without question, she's growing in her Catholic faith while she's living there. And, and through our conversations, through things that she talks about, through the fact that she is going to adoration regularly and um, will uh, seeks out reverent masses uh, to attend, uh, that we feel very uh, comfortable and confident in that decision. But that's an individual decision, right? It depends on your child. So these are big deal factors, right? You hear Carrie and, and I talk quite a bit about the high school years and the tween years, and then even rolling it back further, back to fifth grade, right? Where you're going to routinely see kids in public schools and in, frankly, many schools, kids will have smartphones, even at that young age. And sadly, the, it's still the case, just anecdotally, that the majority of these kids do not have these phones with any degree of filtering or monitoring regarding their use. And what that is exposing their kids to is just horrendous. But the same is true regarding schools. And it's, it's a really sad thing, but it's something that we ought to note, pay attention to, and really be discerning ourselves. What action are we supposed to take? Even if we're not involved, do we still have a responsibility? What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about a report that came out from the Defense of Freedom Institute, uh, and it just came out, and it was, it's called Pills and Pronouns. School districts require parental consent for over-the-counter medicine, but not new names and pronouns. And so I'm not going to go through this 14-page document, but they went and explored the 20 largest school districts by enrollment in the country, and, and then others as well, and started to examine their policies around two simple matters. What's your policy around dispensing over-the-counter medication, like an aspirin, getting an aspirin from the school nurse? What's required? What's the policy there? And then what's the policy around gender identity associated specifically with the things like changing how the child is addressed or the pronouns that they will have used in relationship to them by school employees. So those two things, the dispensing of medication that's over the counter by the school nurse to the student, and so that, that means you know, Tylenol and Advil and aspirin, right? A cough drop versus the child saying, call me this name instead of this name and start using this, this set of pronouns rather than this set of pronouns because this is my gender identity. And what role do the parents have to play in that? And it's a pretty striking and shocking and, uh, well prophetically telling 
prophetically telling document. Um, it says that uh, eight of the largest 20 school districts in America have ready, readily available policies and guidelines that direct school employees to address a child by the child's preferred name without permission from the child's parents. That's slightly over half a million students enrolled in these districts. Well, then they go on to uh, talk about, there's a lot more details in it that I'm going into, but there are two other two other uh, school districts, there are 13 others that are not part of the 20 largest that are also covered, and two of them are Seattle and Spokane. And both of those school districts are stated to have such a policy. And um, let's see, how does this state it? Uh, it to go, it doesn't get into it in great detail, but I'm going to go switch to um, an email, and this is where I found out about this, from a, a really an important organization operating here in the state of Washington, and you've probably heard about it. It's called the Family Policy Institute of Washington, fpiw.org, fpiw.org. Uh, this is a really important organization because they are willing to stand up, speak out, and push back. They are, and they do. They do this quite regularly. And so uh, here, I'm just going to read from their email that I got today, and you can find it on their website. Two of Washington's largest school districts, Spokane and Seattle, have adopted policies which require parental consent to provide over-the-counter medication to students, but not to address students by their preferred name and pronouns, and humor their gender dysphoria, a new report finds. And then uh, he says this, affirming a child's, the, the, the article goes on, affirming a child's confusion as reality at a tumultuous, uh, tumultuous time in their primitive years will no doubt contribute to their dysphoria, depression, and mental health issues. The place of the school is not to override parental preferences or enforce radical beliefs on children. I should say that again. The place of the school is not to override parental preferences, or to enforce radical beliefs on children. Do you agree with that? I hope you do. And then let me ask, are your kids at such a school? It's a really important question. And what are we doing to help raise awareness for other parents whose kids are in these districts or face these things? The report continues that the policies these school districts have adopted imply that children who are not yet mature enough to decide when they need an aspirin are mature enough to decide whether to go through the school day as male, female, or something else entirely. That's from the report. And now back to the article. These policies are forcing a harmful liberal agenda on our children and yet again take power away from parents and hand over authority to raise our children to the government. Schools should never withhold information from parents about their children, especially when issues of gender dysphoria in young adults so often leads to suicidal thoughts and actions. The Biden administration and the school districts of Seattle and Spokane continue to reject the role of parents and common sense in their education policies, considering surgical, chemical, social, and psychological transitioning of minors a valid and necessary form of health care. Change begins in our own backyards. Seattle and Spokane parents, will you stand for this? Wow. 
again, it's a prophetic message. It's one that when I heard it, I was taken aback. I wasn't, I didn't know that this was the case. Uh, but to have this shown uh, through these reports and they quote their sources, and then to have this brought up through the Family Policy Institute uh, of Washington, super helpful to, to get the awareness. Okay, now that we've got the awareness, now the question is, what do we do about it, right? I think the first thing is spread the word. Get the word out and say, do you realize that? Are your kids in public schools? Do you realize that this is happening? And honestly, ask your Catholic school principals as well. What are your policies around this? It's not easy. It's, it's a challenging time, and it's going to get more challenging, but it better be faced, and it better be faced wisely and well. And so I'm going to encourage you to ask your Catholic school principals, high school principals especially, but even now, sadly, grade school principals, what are your policies around distributing medication over the counter? And what's your policies around a, a child saying, I'm changing my name, I want to be called this, and I'm changing the pronouns, I want, you to, I want to be addressed by these pronouns. What, what do you do about that? Find out. By doing this, you will be uh, a true soldier, a soldier for Christ, literally helping to prevent and protect kids from going down a trail that could lead them into uh, suicidal thinking, depression, and other, other terrible, terrible outcomes if they, in fact, go through treatments involving hormones and surgeries that leave lifelong impacts on their lives. These things are coming out. They're finally coming out, but they're not getting enough notice. Hopefully, we can be part of bringing the truth about the damaging, dangerous aspects of this, of this aspect of gender ideology. Let it come out into the open. And let's have a ready, healing answer by presenting the beauty and truth and goodness of our faith that God made them male and female and help these sweet, innocent little ones to be able to learn to live well as little boys and little girls and not be led further into confusion. We have a part to play. Let's pray, let's fast, and let's take action. All right, God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.